Let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and goodness me, mate, are we starting with a beast of a beer this week? Yeah, not really sure how this has come about, Steve, and somehow we both agreed to do this. Um, as listeners will remember, we got sent through some Brew York beers recently, and uh, I think we promised we'd do another couple from the range. So our second beer of the evening will be different to each other. However, the first one, we both said we'd do the same beer, Go Big and Stay at Home, a Kvik Triple IPA. Ten and a half percent. It's it's a very sensible start for us, isn't it? This week, should we um should we dive into the beer? I think so. See what it tastes like. Cheers. Cheers. I don't know about you, but the aroma is bloody spectacular, isn't it? Wow. That is a big beer in in every every sense of, of of the word. The aroma is beautiful, as 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 you said. It's the first thing you pick up, isn't it? And it's this yeah. delightful mix of tropical fruits that, that that's going on in there. Um, but that that body, that flavour, that finish, carbonation on it is superb as well. Yeah, it looks fantastic in the glass. I mean, it's got a for want of a better phrase, it's got almost like it's got a fruity haze to it, similar to a lot of the kernel beers, rather than being thick and juicy. Yeah, probably be a better way of describing it. it. It's got a pithy bitterness to it as well. And yes, it's definitely a big beer, but the lightness of it, I think, make, would make it a very deceptively drinkable beer and very dangerous if you didn't know the ten and a half percent from the outset. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it 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 does hide its ABV very well. Although there is a, a I'd say, a slightly boozy warmth at the end of it that, that yeah. comes yeah, through yeah. just after that bitterness. Um, but yeah, I mean, flavour-wise, it's it, it's proper. It is it's it's juicy, and it's again, it's tropical fruits. And as you said, it's got that pithiness to it. But then it it doesn't finish soft and sweet. It finishes bitter. Um, that's that's a proper tasty number. That really is. I'm going to have to be careful here because at ten and a half percent, I'm in danger of just smashing that. Uh, I think uh, your co-host may also be in the same danger as well. <laughs> um, so just have a look at look at the can. So as usual, they have on the side of the can their little uh, spider's web, um, and it's definitely pointing towards the hops, the shaded areas. And the, the hops they have used in this are Nelson Savon, T90, Citra, T90, Mosaic, T90, and Cryo. Um, so they've gone big and bold on those hops. Um, so a bit of New World, along with you know the Citra Mosaic, which we've referenced many times before. But I also do wonder if the um, you know this magical yeast strain has added something to the flavour as well, Steve. Yeah, because it is a it's a it's a Kvik, uh, triple IPA. So they've used that that Kvik yeast with it, um, and as as Lee always does, um, he sent us through some tasting notes as well. So uh, I, I just want to want to read from from what Lee sent across to us. So the recipe for this little number came from their production manager Roddy. Uh, the yeast is particularly interesting um, in in fact in terms of it's it's one that likes to be abused. Uh, you can pitch it um, using less than the usual required amount of yeast and ferment it with really high temperatures, uh, 35 to 40 when normally 20. And rather than the off flavours you'd normally get doing this, you get lovely fruity esters which complement the hot character. I think we can both completely agree with, with that part of it. Definitely. Uh, the name and branding was also con conceived by Roddy. Uh, it represents a stay-at-home period when everyone has been drinking more and binging on streaming services. We've also found through this period that people have been craving the stronger beers, probably for the same reasons Martin described as less reasons to not drink. Whilst we only ordinarily do one double or triple IPA a year, we've released three during the lockdown period. <laughs> But that first bit of the description he gave us there with some of the technical uh, gump in it as well. I mean, like I said, I mean, this 
I think the yeast I've now heard about this for about a year. Uh, I think River and Bruce is probably one of the first podcasts I heard it mentioned on. And um, it does seem to be to do some quite magical stuff. I mean, those temperature readings Lee gave, plus there is definitely a bit of a marriage with those fruity esters coming from the yeast and the hop characters as well. And the only thing stopping me really necking this is that little bit of the alcohol burn that you mentioned, Steve. A little bit of a warm. It's and, and that's that's not immediate, is is it? That that, that no. comes you get you get the bitterness and then you get that warmth and it's at that point where you're 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 almost like, hang on, I need to slow down here, otherwise I'm gonna be in trouble. Interesting um combination of, of, of hops though, as, as as well, what you what you described there. So like like you say, a bit of a a, a marriage of um the, the new world stuff particularly in the use of the Nelson Sovin, which I've I, I found always tends to give a, a, a more kind of grapey, whiny um, finish to beers. Yeah. Uh, makes them very, very crisp. Uh, but then balancing that out with, you know, the, the two, two of the, the big American hitters in, in Citra and Mosaic as, as, as well. But it's also got to be the balance you know, if we go back to our Budvar episodes, the Harmony, they, you know, it's all very well chucking these big, bold hops in there and these, you know, with a, what can be obviously a big, bold yeast. But they've obviously got the balance right. They've got the science behind it right. Or they didn't nail it first time, but the second time they did. Whatever it is, this is tasting fantastic. And if you were in their tap room and you were going through a range of their beers and you had a big eagle and then you went on to this, you would be having a cracking time, but you would pay for it. This, this, would, this seems to be the logical step up from, from Big Eagle yeah, for me. Yeah, definitely. This is where I'd go. I'd go Big Eagle in this. Yeah, because it continues that, that kind of bitterness that I know we, we, we both look for in a yeah. bit. Yeah, and the flavour hangs around as well. There's, I'm getting this like after, after coating of orange and those tropical fruit notes you were talking about. It's just, this is an absolutely superb bin, you know. And we were waxing lyrical about Big Eagle previously. Yeah, and, and this is, this again, absolutely delicious. And we are really, really grateful once again to Lee at Brew York for, for being so generous and, and, and sending us lots of their beer to, to, yeah. to try. You know, we've been very lucky. We'll carry on drinking this. Hopefully we won't get too slurry um, as, as, as we yeah. get to the end of the first part of the show. But I can't promise anything. Um, what have you been up to in, in this last week, mate? I joined a virtual online tasting slash launch last uh, Thursday, and that was with Ardbeg, so the whiskey distillers, who had got together with Brew Gooder to produce a beer for you know these whole clean water projects. There originally there was going to be uh, a big worldwide launch, and you know I think maybe a festival as well back in March. Pretty much arranged for the weekend of lockdown, I think. Um, so obviously that fell by the wayside. They held back on releasing this beer, which is uh, a 6% smoky porter. What I would say, um, I, and I think you would be okay with it, Stig, I think the smoke, smokiness is very muted. It doesn't have, you can tell it's got the whiskey peaty notes that Ardbeg are really well known for, but not so much that you think you are actually just tasting a beery version of whiskey. Um, so it's, it's very subtle, very muted. It was actually a really, really nice porter. Um, so, you know, thank you to Ardbeg for the invite. I mean, I do quite like my whiskies anyway. So it was nice to have that. And it uh, came with a very nice whiskey glass. So that's got added to the ever-growing collection of glasses that I still haven't got room for. So, yeah, that, that was actually really good fun. Did, did you do the whiskey alongside the beer? Yes. As, as, as well as like yeah. a, a, a comparison? So they sent, you know, basically uh, an old-fashioned miniature, the sort of one you'd find in a, a mini fridge in days when we used to stay in hotels. And um, so we had that first, and then the smoky porter. I would have done it the other way around, only because the whiskey Ardbeg is a very distinctive peaty whiskey. So I would caveat that saying I didn't get as much smoke could also be because I did have it straight after the whiskey, and I enjoy the whiskey. But then we went back to the whiskey as well. So it was like, taste the whiskey, see what you think, goes for the beer, then back to the whiskey. So yeah, it was, it was really good fun, really well uh, hosted. 
got some nice bits of information um, about just the whiskey in, in principle and you know some of the history behind Ardbeg. So yeah, if you do see uh, the brew good of Smoky Porter, what I would say is online seems to be the best option, either through Ardbeg or Brew Gooder. And um, probably just to mention that they, Ardbeg brewed it with Williams Brothers, who, you know, have been going quite a while now and are pretty much stalwarts of the, what I would like to say, the Scottish craft beer scene, quite early, early doors. Definitely ones I saw quite early on in, I want to say Sainsbury's in the, in the 500 milliliter bottles. So, yeah, like I said, really good fun, really enjoyable. And uh, thanks again to Ardbeg for inviting and hosting. Great stuff. Sounds like a great event. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, no, it, and it, it seems to be that these kind of um, virtual beer launches uh, are becoming more and more popular now, aren't they? And I think some of these launches, and I'm sure it happens in other uh, industries as well now, I think some of them will stay because I think they've found, like you and I, Steve, that you widen your the geography of the people you can speak to. Now, that Ardbeg tasting, they could have done it in that bit of Scotland they're in which is ILA, which is quite tough to get to. Or maybe they would have chosen maybe to do it in a major Scottish city and then maybe do another one in London, maybe one in Leeds. So then you have to do multiple events. Um, so I think with some of these things, I think they, some of these habits will stay. I think people, so. People will have found well. the tech works. Yeah, I, I, I think it will. I think, um, like, like you say, you know, you can host, you can host one launch event on, on, on Zoom for very minimal cost, as, as opposed to running three or four evenings at venues where you've got venue hire, you've got to get all your people there, you've, you've got to get your invites out, you've got to get all, all of your products there as well. And I, I just think, I, I do think it, it, it's one of the things that is going to stick and it, it's, it's, we're going to start seeing a lot more of as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. Um, and then I decided on Friday, well, I'd spoken about it with my brother a few days beforehand, um, who I hadn't seen since pre-lockdown, um, that uh, we would have a bit of a catch-up on the Friday in London. Uh, he comes in from Milton Keynes, I come in from Hockley. Um, I just wanted to, I, there was a little bit of curiosity about me, about wanting to see my bit of the city during this period. And I have to admit, it was so odd i got into london about midday on the friday hot day as you'll remember went past a couple of the places which would definitely be over spilling with uh, people wanting to enjoy the sunshine all closed i've got some pictures along Moorgate, so that's um, on the way to bank where you can't see a single person in the picture um as i made my way down to the pelt trader at cannon street got to the pelt trader about 10 past 12 and i was l literally the first customer in there and then I was the only customer for the whole of my first pint in the Pelt Trader on a Friday at Cannon Street. It was like really, really weird. Uh, naturally I had a kernel. If I'm gonna go into London, I'm gonna have a, a kernel obviously. Um, and then I followed it up with um, a kernel. So stuck on a theme in the Pelt Trader. Just just picking up on, on, on one of the points you made there about the, the lack of people around and, and, and you being in the the pelt trader and being the only person um in there you know i've i've been in there on a friday lunchtime before and normally especially on a sunny day people are spilling out you can barely move in there and i i wonder if this is and, and it's something that i've seen a lot of people comment about on online this this is going to be probably one of the next challenges for pubs and bars isn't it particularly city center ones as businesses have begun to realize that actually they don't need a venue for their staff and they do trust their staff to work from home. And, you know, we're seeing more and more businesses switching to, to that sort of model now, obviously with the lack of people coming into a city center to work means there are a lack of people then spending their disposable income, their lunch times, their after work times, actually drinking and, and eating out as well. Oh, definitely. The three bars, pubs near me, of which we've been to a couple, Steve, when we've recorded at my workplace, um, all of them were closed. And Friday lunchtime in the city is a fairly busy time anyway, let alone when it's the nice weather. Even during holiday season, there'd be enough people in there for um, a lot of those individuals to be outside. Um, and the Pelt Trader, as an example, especially, is an indoor venue. 
You mean the bit outside is basically pavement. It's not a designated area per se. It's more there for a bit of overflow, people who smoke, that kind of thing. It is an indoor venue and it has, does have very little in the way of natural ventilation and light. And I mean, I, for that reason, I chose to sit at the seats closest to the open doors. Um, so yeah, I think there'll be many challenges for a lot of these places. The two, foot, two of the places I, I mentioned near work, both of them are Fuller's places and they're both, they were both closed. Uh, again, purely because of numbers. So like you say, Steve, I think there is going to be extra challenges, um, especially in cities like London, where not, not enough people can actually afford to live in London. So you haven't got that residential population in the city centre and people aren't coming into work. I wonder if we'll see the, the, the flip side to that in terms of commuter towns. Will they see an increase in people drinking locally? As, as, as a result? I think potentially, yes. I think people may well be inclined to do a bit more local, but it really depends what you're looking for when you do go out for that drink or bite to eat. You will get probably better value, but will you get the choice you're after? Steve, what about you? Have you been up to much? I've actually just been spending quite a bit of time. At, um, listeners will remember me mentioning that it, it, essentially my nearest bar is, is now the bar of a local golf club. Um, that, that's just around the corner from where I live and, and I've actually spent quite a bit of time over there uh, recently um, they've got a fantastic little selection of, of, of beer now they have um, ABK Hells on, on tap which I think I've mentioned before um, perfect perfect in this weather yeah they, they have Guinness on, on, on tap as well and, and previously pre-lockdown their um, bitter offer now they don't have they don't have cask so it's it is keg bitter was um southwell bitter which is a, a beer that you, you have to really have that on cask to have it yeah. at its best so i kind of avoided it but i went in there post lockdown to see that the southwell bitter had been replaced by ghost ship and i was like brilliant so it really actually ticks all of the boxes for me now you've got a decent lager you've, you've got a a decent sessionable parallel and then you've got Guinness as, as well. What, what, what more could you want from a tiny little golf club on my doorstep, independent business, I can walk there and back. I feel like I'm supporting my own community and they've got decent beers. I think it's a bit of a win to be honest. And I would say for a local golf club bar in the bit of Essex you're in, Steve, that's a bit of a find and a bit of a win. So presumably, Steve, it's a bar which is open to non-members then. Absolutely, yes. It's um, the, the golf club is set behind um, essentially the new build estate that I live on now. I think I think the golf club actually sold some of their land to to enable the estate to be built, um, and they've been very very clever. I believe the that the manager actually lives on the new estate, and there's there's a Facebook residence group, and they've been very very good at advertising what they do on there and advertising themselves as essentially the local watering hole. Um, because if otherwise, if you want, if you want to go out, you've, you've got to walk into Whitton town itself, which is easy 20, 30 minutes from, from here. Whereas from the estate, the golf club is literally 10 minutes. Uh, speaking, um, speaking of beers though, Steve, any highlights over the last couple of weeks? Uh, there have been two, uh, both from the same brewery. Um, so uh, I, I think unless you've been sleeping under a rock for, for the last week or 10 days, I don't think you could have helped um, but notice that Andy at Elusive has released the West Coast IPA that has caused quite the stir on, on Twitter. Um, and now I know we've both had it. Uh, all I can say is it's an absolute triumph. It's a, it's a stunning, stunning beer and it ticks every single West Coast box as far as I'm concerned. I think it's an excellent beer and also, and I know that we've joked about certain strengths of beers, you know, Big Eagle, we've already mentioned it, over 7%. We're drinking this triple at 10.5% um, and Oregon Trail probably comes in just above what maybe sensible people might consider session, but at 5.8%, it made it so drinkable, didn't it? 
Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I was chatting with, with, with Andy um, about it via DM and I was saying, you, you know, that's one of the things that, that, that's so good about it is, is that, that ABV because it means you can actually have a couple of them without it hitting you too hard straight away. Um, and, and he said that he's, um, he very much took inspiration from, from beers like Green Flash, their West Coast IPA and Stone IPA. And you, you can really, really see um, where he's taken the inspiration in that beer in, in Oregon Trail because it's absolutely got those flavour profiles. It's got that bitterness that you want. It's got that really big malty backbone that, that holds it all together. It's, it's, it's an absolute wonder of a beer. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it would definitely have been, if, you had, if you'd got in first with a question, Oregon Trail would have been the first beer I would have mentioned as well. And I know you've got a second beer, but just to give it a bit of context, I've had a bit of a uh, American West Coast uh, action going on, and I had that highlight and from Cigar City and Torpedo from Sierra Nevada. And one of the evenings, I was quite happy to follow both of those up with the Oregon Trail. He, he's, his, beer is, his beer is right up there with them. It completely holds its own against those beers. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, there's no point. I don't need to wax lyrical about Highline Torpedo, but yeah, Andy, well done with that Oregon Trail. Oh, hats off, hats off, and 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 the other beer was also from Andy as well, which is his latest iteration of the Spellbinder, the Coffee Porter, uh, which is now available in cans. This this current version of it, I know he uses a different a different coffee in in every new brew of it, but this current version of it, again, just absolutely delicious. The, the the coffee flavors, the coffee profile, the dark chocolate bitterness that's in there, that roasted notes. It's again just an absolute brilliant beer. Yeah, I ordered some of that as well, and I agree. I mean, it, it just ticks all of the boxes you want from that particular style of beer. Yeah. And the, the the can looks gorgeous. Oh, his his beers have uh, transferred very well into cans, haven't they? The um that kind of eight bit. In game imagery on cans works so well especially on those 440s that amount of real estate he gets to put the pictures on just look fantastic yeah yeah so all i can say is well done andy for those beers both of them absolutely delicious and i i, I look forward to trying many many more of your beers in in, in months to come Better crack on with the news um because i've just looked at my glass and it i, I don't know whether it's the heat uh, and it's evaporated, but there's not much left. Um, and I do want to get through the news before we, we, we come back in on final thoughts on, on this beer. So um, just picking up on something that uh, we probably didn't have time to mention last week because we were too uh, enthralled in the discussion with, with, with Jules that, that we had on last week's show. Um, but Ciba held their first digital awards um, so this is the first time they've, they've, they've ever done uh, online judging and tasting. Again, going back to what we were saying earlier, using the technology that's now available. Um, they, they had over 50 beer experts take part in the judging of, of the awards online. Um, and the overall winner, so coming out on top, was from Salopian Brewery, a beer called Darwin's Origin, which was um, a bitter, a straight up, good old traditional English bitter won the, the, the overall uh, award for that. So uh, congratulations to Salopian Brewery yeah, well for done. that. Um, but as, as with all of these awards, there are loads of categories um, where beers, beers won. And I just wanted to pick up on a, on, on a few notable mentions um, from, from some of those breweries that maybe we're featured recently as, as, as well that have picked up some of the awards. So um, firstly, congratulations to Brew York who um, won the bottle canned IPA 5.5% to 6.4% with Big Eagle. Now, eagle-eared listeners, see what I did there? Oh, yeah. Um, would, would, would pick up that that ABV is lower than, than the one that we tried because the Big Eagle that was released was 72 7.1 or 7.2, but it was yeah. definitely 7+. plus. Yeah. Um, basically, they had to lower the ABV to, to make it fit that category because otherwise uh, over 6.4% is considered imperial. 
and and Rubbish. they come yeah, on. I, I, I know. I, I considering it's Seba as well. That feels very old fashioned. The, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so congratulations. Um, oh yeah, to, definitely to, to, to Blue York for for winning that. Uh, also, picking up bronze in that category was uh, a, a classic and a favorite favorite of ours, uh, Thornbridge's Jaipur. Um, in the bottle can session, lagers and pilsners. Congrats again to Thornbridge for Lucas, which won gold, and to Signature Brew for their Studio Lager, which which took a silver. Um, in the premium lagers and pilsners category, um, Elusive Brewing won a joint gold medal uh, for their Overflow, which was a, a collaboration with, I want to say Siren? And it was, I think it was one of these Brew Gooder collaborations. Oh, possibly, yes. Yeah. Um, so again, congratulations to Andy for that. Um, and then in the uh, bottle can Amber to Dark Lager, uh, Utopian won with their Vienna Keller Lager, which we featured recently. Uh, and they also picked up um, for Strong Beers, 6.5% and over, uh, another gold medal for the, the Rainbok. The, the, the My Bok Lager. So um, congratulations to all of those breweries uh, and well, to the whole list of them that are included on, on that. And we'll put a link in the show notes to the all of the different categories and all of the different winners. But congrats to everybody that um, came out of the, the Sebra Awards with a medal. Yeah, and congrats to Sebra and the judges. I mean, I saw quite a lot of stuff on Twitter where you know people were getting their deliveries they were, you know, all the ready for the blind tastings. Their, their Zoom groups were there. I think they had a session leader kind of thing. Um, so well done on managing to switch from that um, traditional way of doing these kinds of awards, award judging to doing it in the virtual online world. Um, and yeah, congratulations to all the breweries, especially the ones who, um, you know, we, we've tried ourselves, Steve. Yeah, and, and we've been very lucky to try quite a few of those beers as, as, as well over the um, last last few months where, where we've been doing the more regular shows. Which is a lovely segue into the, into the second news item. Um, and yeah, this is bigging ourselves up a little bit, putting us in our own news. Um, but, very, very meta. Uh, not, not sure where else we'd put it. Um, but just wanted to give uh, our listeners a, a little heads up that... Um, these weekly snippets are coming to an end. Um, we've got uh, four more that, that we plan to do throughout August. Uh, we've still got some guests booked in. Um, but then as we reach September, uh, and it's likely that both you and I will be returning to um, stricter work patterns and, and, and things, uh, we're going to move back to our old fortnightly um, format so it'll be a show every other week probably a little bit longer but also probably not as long as they used to be because we've learned how to get a little bit tighter during this time as well yeah I mean there's obviously no promises but we won't get carried away every now and again depending on the subject matter or if Steve decides we need to do six eleven percent plus beers or something like that but yeah it's been good fun while it's lasted um, I hope everyone's enjoyed them um, we certainly enjoyed getting together once a week to do this Steve and with all the guests we've had. And, um, but yeah, you know, I, I will at some point be transitioning to the office. You'll be out and about again. So I think at least for the foreseeable future, going back to fortnightly seems like the right thing to do. Yeah, and we, we still intend on featuring guests, but we'll, we'll still be looking to do that every other show. So if, if we're fortnightly, there's, that's essentially two shows a month. You'll, you'll get one, one show of, of the fantastic SNM action, which some people like to refer to it as. Uh, and then you'll get a, a second show, which will we'll hopefully have a guest join us as, as well to, to bring a different dynamic to things. And with that, uh, we probably need to do final thoughts on this beer because... <laughs> Despite the fact that it's 10.5%, it's not hung around in the glass at all. Ridiculously drinkable. And I know we've said about that a lot of beers, are, you know, talking about the period we've been doing the snippets. We've had a lot of drinkable beers at quite high percentages. This is probably one of the most drinkable versus ABV. Um, 10.5%. Uh, there's nothing really to add on those. Just to say again, even that little bit, the warming you get afterwards, isn't like that hot burn. It's just enough to let you know 
oh, hold on, yes, you might think this is quite light, but don't take it for granted. Um, it's a fabulous beer. Yeah, I, I can't add anything to the, the, the original tasting notes that, that, that we spoke about at the top of the show. Uh, the one thing that I will say is as it's warmed up in the glass, I just took a sip of it and then breathed out and all the heat came down my nose. Um, and and that, was, uh, that just kind of made me realise, oh, hang on a minute, that's a big beer that you're drinking there. Yeah, definitely. But thank you again, Lee, for sending that one through. So, um, if I do, as I want to do another order from Brew York, let's have a look, maybe get a couple of them. Yeah, ho- hopefully there'll still be, be some left on, on that one. But no, re- really delicious, really, really tasty stuff. So let's move on to our next beer. Second beer this evening. And as Martin uh, mentioned earlier on in the show, uh, we are doing slightly different beers uh, for our second beer. Uh, one of us has done much better with the ABV on their second <laughs> beer than, than the other. Um, Martin, how is your 5.5%, I think, oh, is it? Actually, it's a 5% straight. So I have the Juice Forsyth, a 5% juicy bonus fruited IPA. And I have got 8.5%. Um, <laughs> muffin Else Matters. Uh, I do love the Brew York names. Yeah. I really do. Uh, this is a blueberry pastry stout. Um, it is a slight reworking of a beer that we tried from Brew York last year, the Stay True. I did wonder um, if it was similar to that one. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know if you can see this, but it has poured, it, it's, it's dark, but it's almost purple. Yeah. And, there is and, a purple head, haze. Yeah. The, the, the head is purple. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued with, with this one. Shall we, uh, shall we have a little taste and, and see what we think? Cheers, Steve. Cheers. Well, I'm intrigued to find out what your beer is like first, Steve. It's sweet. Um, it's a little tart, which I imagine you'd expect from, from, from the blueberries. Uh, it's very drinkable. There's, it's, it, is, it is full-on pastry stout. There's, there's no roasted notes to this. There's no bitterness as, as, as such on, on, on the finish. It is sweetness through, through and through. Um, but it does, it does absolutely taste like blueberries. My one is a very uh, light, hazy New England style IPA. Um, hasn't got that really thick, juicy quality to it, both in appearance and in flavour. Um, it's got quite zesty notes or, on the top end of the uh, uh, aroma. You know, lemon and lime, perhaps. Um, I found it to be very fruity all the way through. Uh, doesn't finish with that sweet sugariness that you and I have referenced before that we're not particularly fans of and a distinct lack of any sort of hot burn as well. So again, um, it's ticking a lot of the right kind of New England IPA boxes for me. Uh, it'll take me a few more mouthfuls because I think there's also an element of uh, calibration and reset here after the 10.5% beast we had earlier. Oh, so, goodness, yeah. You're, you're, you're coming down by half. Yeah, half and a bit. <laughs> um, but... I'm guessing that Lee, as is his want, will have um, supplied us with a bit of information, Steve. Absolutely, as always. And we're always really grateful for this as well. So, as you know, it's great to get sent beers by breweries. And obviously, we are very grateful for that. But it's also great when they send us a little bit more information, a little bit of the, the background behind the beers as well. Um, so, Juiceful Scythe, uh, it's a tropical fruited IPA made with a blend of four hops, Cascade, Columbus, Citra, and Mosaic. So again, pretty classical US hop combo there for that. Used very differently, considering two of those hops were in beer number one. Yeah, Um, but also um, three fruits have gone into that as well. So you've got pineapple, mango, and passion fruit also in that beer. Also added lactose to create a bigger body and to replace the fruit sweetness that is lost as the fruit sugars are fermented. So oh, you see, I wasn't, I would not, I don't think I would have pulled out the lactose there. Yes. It's interesting that they've used it for the body to, yeah. to, to boost the body. 
on 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 it um in terms of what what i've got the muffin else matters um it's it, this is a revisit of the blueberry stout recipe that they brewed for their third birthday which was the stay true that i know both of us really enjoyed last, yeah, last year and for me that was that was almost the contender for beer of the year last year for me um but this time it's got even more dessert character um lee also then goes on to say that the the name and the branding come from one of his all-time favorite metalax and i'm pretty sure um i don't need to tell anyone that it's it's a play on words of, of nothing else matters by metallica um so sorry if there's a little bit of grandma and eggs going on there but i just <laughs> thought i should probably mention it in in, in case not everyone was fully aware of, of it but it is it is very tasty i've got I've, i'm actually drinking it cold this evening because it is a very very warm day um but it is obviously going to warm up as as we go through the, the, the rest of the show and making its triumphant return opinions is back opinions 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 should discounts and vouchers be part of the camera membership package. 446 votes, 18.4% of people thought yes, 81.6% of people said no. Let's dive into some of these comments from Ian Hay at II Hay. Absolutely not. Real Ale is a premium product that needs care and attention from the barley in the field via the maltster, brewer and publican until it reaches my glass. The custodians of such a product are suffering enough at the moment and this discount culture does not help. From Dr. Goggles at Burn Angel, cameras should be about supporting pubs. Taking money away from pubs isn't supporting them. But if pubs think offering a discount works for them and gets them some customers, that's up to them. From John at Beer in the Suburb. Yes, but should be targeted at supporting independent brewers in smaller venues. It should boost demand for real ale and trade in struggling pubs, not super cheap Abbott Ale in spoons. I've no issue with the discount as it's a publican's choice to offer it if they feel that it gets more business through the door. It also successfully outs the grade A pricks who demand the discount as a right. The vouchers can get to hell. And no surprise, that's from Mark N. Johnson. From Heaton Hops, free spoons, vouchers or discounts should not be the reason to join an organisation. Also, the sense of entitlement when folks shove the membership card in your face is not cool. From Mark at Beer at Markey, discounts are aimed at attracting the more casual beer drinker to join. Hopefully, when they seek out alternative venues, breweries and attend festivals that they probably wouldn't have before. I assume Cameron need large membership numbers to be relevant at a national level. From Jim at Jimbo underscore Baggins. I was a Canberra member for a while, but never once flashed the card and asked for a discount. Too embarrassed. In fact, the pubs I use most regularly don't accept it. Good regional breweries try to keep costs down for everyone. And from Brinsler at Brinsler. Never use the spoons vouchers, but always ask in a pub if they do camera discount when ordering ale. I see it no, as no different to asking if a shop does student or military discount. From Simon Webster at a bees boy, as a camera member, I rarely, if ever, use my vouchers. They also revealed only 25% of the vouchers printed are actually used, but they have a role in attracting new members. It influenced me and others who may choose to stop using them over time as they, as they come to value real ale more. And then from Seaside Reds, got no real problem with discount vouchers, but I do have a problem with them being so geared towards Weatherspoons. The harm that it is that it encourages camera members to drink in spoons only. From Johnny Tyson at the Beer Angler, camera needs to focus on real ale and the promotion of its correct treatment and service. Membership benefits should be restricted to a discount entrance to beer festivals. I have only once asked for a discount at a pub and immediately regretted it as I felt like a total cheapskate. From the ale lady? No. It encourages people to join for the wrong reasons. Their ethos, standards and reputation for inclusiveness and diversity should be enough for folk to want to join and support, which probably explains who they've needed to use the vouchers for so long. From Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608 I answered correctly, no. If camera are about promoting real ale and saving pubs, then how about their members go to a pub that sells real ale and offer to pay more for their pint, which will help the pub and the breweries. Fewer pubs equals less real ale sales equals no point in camera. And then from Lou Stringer at Lou Stringer, 
To be honest, this has been a big part of why I've not joined Camera and the association with Weatherspoon. Seems more focused on a cheap pint rather than protecting quality car scales. From Gary at Workshop Driver. We'd rather pay an extra £5 per member and use the funds to, to partner with lots of different small breweries to help support cast beer being made and sold. Then use the political and industry influence they have to promote cask, not spoons. From Nate at Nate Dog 27 for some, it's the only incentive to sign up. I think Cameron needs to discourage its members from asking for discounts in independent pubs. It was an absolute nightmare when I worked in the Reindeer. We'd have people come in and storm out because we didn't offer a discount. Well, there's a range of views there this week, isn't there? Yeah, where do you start? Apart from, quite obviously, people do link um, the discount to their love or hate of spoons as well. I, I think let's, let's, let's talk about our views because I think we're going to pick up some of those comments as, as, as we naturally go through what we think about this. Now, uh, uh, this is going to be an interesting one, I think, because I am not a camera member. I, I, I left as I didn't feel as I was really doing anything for, for me being a member. Um, I will probably admit to when I did join for a couple of years, probably one of the driving forces was behind that was was the discounts and and the, the, the vouchers that were available um but you are still uh, a camera member on aren't you and you yeah. have been for many years now as, yes. as, as well so um we, we've got kind of both sides of the the, the fence here to, so to speak um what's what's your thought on this as as, as a member do you ever do you ever go into a pub expecting to be able to show your card and get a discount? No. And to be honest, I hardly ever take the card out with me because I'll be honest these days, I tend to take out my phone or just one bit of plastic rather than even a wallet because I don't always need to carry cash one card and one way of contactless payment. And that's all you need. I mean, when I was out on my cycle ride yesterday, there was one pub offering a discount. I think it was like 20p for a pint, 10p for a half to camera members. And I saw it and thought, oh, well, never mind. I'm not even sure I would have shown the card anyway. Um, but I do agree with one of the comments. Um, I think it was from Mark that, and uh, Dr. Goggles as well. If a pub wants to do it independent as an incentive, I know some pubs may do it like on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, a bit like the whole eat out scheme from the government to encourage footfall. Um, then again, they're a business. They, they're allowed to offer whatever discounts they want. But I don't think cameras should be encouraging it. It's not why I signed up. The big draw for me was that I could rock up at most camera festivals and, you know, those ones which start on a Tuesday, you better go on a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday and probably get in for free. And then I've got access to the beer festival without having to worry about it. Three or four festivals in a year and I've probably got my money back. So the discount scheme was never, I'm not even sure when I signed up in 2001 whether what the discount scheme was then, whether it was spoons or not. But, but that, that right there is, that, that's a discount, is, is, isn't it? That, that is part of, of, of the incentive scheme of being a camera member is that you can get access to beer festivals for free. Uh, very directly supporting those breweries that are supplying the beer festival rather than supporting maybe for example uh, a, a big company like spoons so I, I see that as a bit different um, that's all part of the camera ethos about getting people to to try to real ale you're getting to tr most of my local breweries as well at a lot of the camera festivals so i see that as a bit different that's my take on it uh, but i don't think camera should be actively encouraging their members to sign up for those discounts. I don't think they should be actively encouraging pubs to offer them. And worse still, it definitely shouldn't influence uh, camera members when they come to vote for their pubs of the year either. And I'm pretty confident when I say that, I think that has happened in the past in regions I've lived in because I can find no other region reason why some pubs win it. I 100% agree with you there. I, I, I really do. I think, um, and that's a shame that, that that some people take it that that way that 
you know, because X pub hasn't offered me a discount, then that's not a decent pub. When, when actually it, it, it may well be the best pub in an area that has the best kept beer and the best range of beer. We already get, we already get cask beer at a discount compared to other beer products, whether that be cans, bottles or keg. Cask is the cheapest version of all of those nine times out of 10. So how much more discount do we need? Yeah, you know, ex- ex- exactly. I mean, there was there were pictures the other week of uh, what was it? Uh, a spoons, I think it was in Leeds that was yeah. selling Rudgate Mild for eighty nine p a pint. Yeah, no, I know a few people suggested they may have rubbed off the pound, but even then, one pound eighty nine, bloody hell! I can go to Costa and spend more than that, and and potentially the ability to still use a fifty p off voucher. Yeah, on on so, that as well. You know. I think Richard's point is the big thing, and that's the thing which has been frustrating me so much. Camera have made some strides over the last couple of years. There's definitely a bit of a, a more youthful feel to the executive board and some of the stuff they're trying to get over the line. But cask beer and real ale, as they like to term it, is at its best in a pub. And if, if, you, if you start losing the pubs, you're going to lose the real ale. And let's face it, if Spoons had to get rid of one product or reduced a product and the amount of choice they have, it will be the cask beer lines that they will start to reduce. So the support won't be there either. And it's not like they pay a premium for those beers. I was going to say it's questionable whether they're actually benefiting the breweries they're buying from anyway. Um, probably in product placement as much as anything else, yeah. to be honest. It's not for the uh, how much they're making on it, is it? So there's a lot of reasons why camera should be maybe maybe take a step back risk losing some renewals risk not being able to sign up as many people and have a bit of a reset and also maybe they can also go back to being truly independent as well there's a lot of feeling within camera members about their link with with weather spoons and i know that their voucher scheme now isn't just at spoons I think it does cover a couple of other pub codes as well. But it's, it puts people off and it probably puts off those people who would be active members rather than non-active members who just want to be there for the vouchers. So Canberra should maybe take this opportunity, have a reset, may, you know, maybe it could come up at the next AGM as a tabled motion. Um, I think it would still stay. That would be the sad bit. I think enough people would vote for it to stay. But like I said, independent venues offering a discount, that's entirely up to them. That's their business. That's their business model. That's up to them how they do it. It shouldn't influence decisions and cameras shouldn't be actively promoting it. Well, well one, of, one of the comments that I, I just want to pick up on, which, which just, that does highlight that a little bit, was from the one from Mark at Beer Markey. And, and it was the last part of his comment where he said, I assume camera need large membership numbers to be relevant at a national level. Now, now that I, I find that a really interesting point in, in, in terms of them being an, an active lobbying group. Um, for, for and they the have government. trumpeted that before, haven't they? Because yeah. they're up around that 190, 200,000. And I think that qualifies them as the largest consumer group. So yes, I, I can understand that. And I think it was actually a really good point well made. However, I would argue at times how much influence does camera have? Um, I'm not sure camera really got involved enough in the whole um, two debates, which came out recently uh, pubs versus schools and the small duty uh, tax that we would, we spoke about. So I'm not really sure camera have been exerting their supposed influence perhaps as much as they should do and as much as they could be. To be fair, mate, they've almost been fucking invisible compared to Siba who have been an absolute leading light in the industry uh, over these last few months. Whereas they should be working together or working together and independently, but as loud as each other. And yeah, sadly, I don't think camera have stepped up to the mark over a couple of things recently. So whether you've got 10,000 members, 10 members or 200,000 members, if you're not trying to exert your influence, then you're irrelevant. Because whereas Siba are representing the, the industry itself, and more so the brewers and the businesses within it, camera should be there as a consumer organisation, shouldn't they? And they should be representing the interests of their members. Yeah. And the interest of the members, surely, is to still be able to 
go back to their basics. It's about saving real ale. Where do you, where can you get real ale at its best in a pub? Uh, as always, oh, loads of loads of great comments this week. Uh, we can't feature all of them. Uh, there is a link in the show notes to the question, so you can click on that and have a read through and look at all of the responses. Um, you can still get involved in this discussion. Use the hashtag opinions, and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. From Sophie at So Beer Blogger, really enjoyed listening to this week's podcast. Just to update you, we now have a working hand pull in the shed, currently pouring Stealth Bruco Double Crosser version three. You have no idea, Sophie, how envious I am of that shed that you and Josh have. Um, I'm assuming we're not talking about a full cask here. I'm assuming we're talking about the smaller poly pin. I'm assuming they, so. They must be. Unless they've literally moved in there and they're just lying underneath the tap now. Yeah, because they're not, they're not going to get through 80 pints in three days you'd be surprised you'd be surprised <laughs> um but let's uh let well sophie let us know let us know what sort of size uh pins you're getting in for your your shed um but yeah it does look fabulous and that is cracking that you've got a hand pull in there as well now from johnny beer boy johnny beer boy after enjoying the return of you two gabbing on last week i also really enjoyed this week's guest jules just seems so lovely not to mention quite inspirational and super informative. I come for the guests, but stay for Martin's expletive-filled rants. And, and that seems to be a popular theme <laughs> on, on, on this week's th- feedback. So from your boy, Rob Edwards, Martin has just said, it's a fucking ridiculous question, isn't it? And I just know there are going to be some great rants. I do enjoy my Thursday mornings. We haven't seen an increase in the infection rate because they've reopened it. We've seen an increase because people are fucking idiots. I wish Martin would stop sitting on the fence. <laughs> and then from Simon Dewhurst at Simo Sloth, cracking episode, guys. A sweary Martin, wonderful insight from Jules and brilliantly all held together by Steve. Agree that pubs versus schools is a silly question and a completely unfair comparison. We would all like to think both to be open. As Jules pointed out, pubs do a tremendous amount for charity, provide a value community, valuable community hub, help isolated individuals and boost the economy massively. From Leon Brew at Leon Brew. Great to hear Jules on the show this week. I've only met Jules recently thanks to Crafty Beer Girls meets on Zoom. Her knowledge is vast and her passion shines through. I hope that came across to your listeners. Great show as always. Um, thanks, Lou. And yes, um, we, we could we could literally have released a two and a half hour show. Our chat with Jules was excellent. Uh, from Mark Malbec Johnson. Great snippet. Good idea to avoid a poll and let Jules give so much insight and chat. Glad that the school versus pub question was greeted as the sheer nonsense that it is. People worried about losing jobs being used to create further division. I sense my own rant is imminent. We look forward to it, Mark. I expect there will be a post coming soon. And then finally, from Cask Theology, inspired by Beer O'Clock Show and hashtag opinions on wheels, I'm on my fourth week of cycling to get fit. Goal is always a pub, naturally, with each one further than the last. Getting fit and helping the industry at the same time. That sounds like a great way to do it, doesn't it? Yeah, I love the idea of choosing the next pub a little bit further each time as well. Yep, always good to have goals when, yes. you, when you're doing these sorts of things. Always good to have goals. As always, great to get so much feedback on one of the shows, and we really enjoy it when our listeners do let us know what they think of the show. Keep using opinions, and we'll keep finding those comments. We've got a couple of questions. Questions, questions, fill my head. So first up from, well, this is essentially Paul's section, so you would always expect <laughs> there to be a question from Paul. Uh, from Paul at UNRCD, so what's people's favourite fruit in a beer? Mine has to be raspberry. Um, what about you, mate? Easy question to answer that one? I want to give two answers. Okay. So if I look at my Belgian beer and my love of Belgian beers, I'm going to have to say cherry. For me, it's the one which works best in the lambics. Um, but I still have a very soft spot for high wire grapefruit. So I'm going to throw the grapefruit element in there um, as being one of the ones that I, I did. I, I still think it's the best use of grapefruit in a beer is the high wire for Magic Rock. Interesting. So that, 
Two, two curveballs. I didn't expect each of the, either of those. <laughs> I, I really didn't. Um, what about yourself? This is a tough one. Uh, I, I, I generally don't want fruit anywhere near my IPAs or my pale owls, uh, despite the beer that you're just swigging there as, as, <laughs> as we're speaking, full, full of fruit. Um, I, I, I would rather let the, the, the hops do the work there in terms of the flavour. And, and, and imparting flavors that are similar to these but when it when it comes to certainly when it comes to stouts and things um i i would i would probably have to agree with with, with paul actually you, you, you darker fruit so things like raspberry again like like you say cherry one i'm drinking here the, the blueberry they they all work really really well in 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 a stout and they they seem to be quite versatile in their use as well yeah, they definitely complement the stouts, especially, um, you know, you can think of a few like dark chocolates you can buy, which have those elements in them as well. So it, it definitely works with those ones. Good question, though. I like that one. Great question. And listeners, let us know your thoughts on that. Um, let us know uh, what your favourite fruit is in, in beer. Again, use the hashtag opinions. Uh, and we've got a second question this week from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert. Uh, question for you. Have you ever changed your mind about a beer? I'm, I'm going to go yes. Problem is, I can't think of anything that springs to mind. But I know when I've checked in a beer on Untapped and there's been a massive gap in between, that sometimes I'm surprised by either how well I rated a beer previously versus now, or conversely, how down I was about a beer and then how much I'm enjoying it this time around. And obviously, two main reasons for that can be the beer's changed or I've changed. It, you, you can never know necessarily which way around it is. But um, I think the ones which maybe I didn't like early on, it's probably a bit more about me. Um, and the ones which I did like before, there's probably an element of, you know, maybe I've just got used to something a little bit different. So maybe it's me each time, whichever way I go, it's me. What's your thoughts? Uh, again, I was a little bit like you. I couldn't, I couldn't instantly think of one, but I, I agree with your comments there regarding, you know, you check a beer in, after not having it had it for a few years and you'll be surprised that your ratings changed either way. But then I thought about it and then I had, I had a sudden epiphany in, in terms of, I ever really changed my mind about a beer. Yes. Punk IPA. Uh, I've actually actively stopped drinking it because I think at the moment it tastes absolutely terrible. That's a good point. Actually. Um, I would have had punk IPA as a beer that I would go for when I saw it a few years back and the first time I had it, it blew my mind. Actually, that's a good chat, the punk IPA. It's gone from, I'll have it when I see it almost to, uh, uh, really? Is that the best you've got? Yeah. Well, it used to be a fridge filler for me and I, and I won't, won't even buy it at, at the moment because I just, I just don't enjoy the way it's tasting right now. I think dead pony club is far superior to punk and at 2% ABV less, it's much better, better value than really. I don't think you've ever shared that opinion before, mate. Haven't I? Oh, no, I'll share no. it again in the future at some point, that's, maybe. That's, that's the first time for that one. <laughs> uh, and, and again, we'd, we'd love to hear our listeners' uh, thoughts on that question as well. Once again, use that hashtag opinions and we'll continue to find you. Um, we're at the end of the beers. How, oh, yeah. how was your uh, juice forsyth, mate? The tropical notes just carried on increasing. Probably a little bit of it warming up in the glass and... This evening is just getting more humid, I think. It's going to be one of the, another one of those nights where it's going to be a struggle to sleep. Um, it's definitely, it's not, uh, compared to the first beer, it's not as good for me. But it is light, it is fruity, it does hit all those tropical notes. It is a New England style IPA I can get behind. Excellent. Great, great, great feedback on, on, on that one. Um, how, how have you got on with your... Nine and a half percent, is it? Eight, eight and a half. Uh, okay, how have you gone? It's, it's really tasty. Um, I, I will say straight away, it doesn't taste eight and a half percent. Um, the combination of these two beers is certainly going to mean that I'm not going to have any trouble sleeping this, this <laughs> evening. It, it really isn't. For, I, I think, I think I lucked out a little bit, maybe not in terms of the ABV, but in terms of style wise, after the, the, the triple IPA going to a stout. And, and going to quite a sweet stout it's worked quite well um the, the sweetness is there those blueberry notes stay throughout um 
that there is a kind of thickness um, and a tartness to it as well. Uh, and as it's warmed, it's it's all of those notes have just got softer as as well, which has made it much much easier to drink. Uh, when I, when I first tasted it, it was literally straight from the fridge, and it was oh yeah, this is nice and refreshing, nice and tart. But the the, the flavour profiles have changed as I've gone through that beer. Yeah, I can imagine with once it started to get a little bit warmer, you're starting to get more than just that initial fruit and tartness from it. So yeah, um, it's definitely it's definitely one to to seek out. I imagine. Yeah, as, as, as all they are, and uh, all of the Brew York beers, um, you, you know, Lee has been very generous on a number of occasions, um, and we've been very lucky to try uh, a range of different styles and flavours from from them as well. And and I will say the one thing that um, I'll continue to say, say is that regardless of whether it's necessarily a style that's a, one that I prefer, every single beer that I've I've tried from Brew York has been absolutely bang on in terms of what it says on the label. Oh, definitely. And very accomplished and hit, hits the mark that they're aiming for. Yeah, without a doubt. So again, thank you, Lee, for sending those down to us. We do, really do appreciate it. We've really enjoyed featuring your beers again. Martin, what's coming up next week? We are being joined by two of our favourite people, uh, Wayne and Janice aka the Irish beer snobs. I'm really interested to chat to them about how this whole situation has has has, has been dealt with in Ireland as well. Definitely. Particularly in, in terms of their industry beginning to reopen and, and, and the rate at which they've reopened. So I, I really look forward to that. And if any of our listeners have got any questions that they'd like to specifically um, ask Wayne or, or, or Janice, uh, let us know and we'll make sure to feature those in discussion next week. We're also going to tackle uh, the subject that's come up recently about uh, beer festivals. Can't wait. I'm so excited to record with, with, with Wayne and Janice again. Without further ado, the glasses are empty. Uh, we've finished enjoying some great beers again this evening. Martin, I look forward to joining you for another snippet next week. Cheers. Cheers, Dave.